Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Such a blessing being here with you. Um, for you that uh, don't know, uh, my wife and I will this February celebrate 49 years. <laughs> She's been putting up with me for 49 years. And uh, I am so glad. I know we sang a song, I'm so glad the Lord is in my life. And I am glad he's in my life. And I am also glad that she's in my life. Uh, together. Um, and you know, a lot of times when folks say together, they mean she brought some children to the marriage and I brought some and then we're a blended. But we came alone, both of us. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she was looking so fine. And I couldn't keep my hands off of her. And... <laughs> I got another, I know that's right. <laughs> and uh, it's just a joy. We have five boys, three girls. Uh, the oldest will be 48 this year in September. Um, so uh, it's just a, a blessing being here uh, with you. Amen? Amen? Would you reach out and grab somebody's hand if you next to someone sitting near someone and just to agree in prayer and you know the word tells us if two of us in the earth would agree and so father we thank you and praise you for the agreement that is here thank you that your words are lamp unto our feet and a light into our path thank you that the entrance of your word gives light we determine to walk in the light as you're in the light and have fellowship with you fellowship with one another fellowship with those of like precious faith, knowing that the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. Thank you for living big in me today, for speaking through these lips of clay, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and for anointing our ears to hear what you are saying by the Spirit to us. Will you guide us and direct us? Open our eyes to see truth. Quicken our hearts to believe and receive it. And in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you Amen. 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 Hallelujah. If you've got a Bible, would you open your Bible with me to the New Testament book of Matthew uh, chapter 18? Matthew chapter 18, there are um, three verses of Scripture that I want to read in your hearing. Um, verses 18 through 20. Amen. I know that uh, one of the announcements was that you should turn your phone off, but if you brought your phone and your Bible is in your phone, Turn it on. <laughs> Amen. Matthew chapter 18, beginning reading at verse 18. I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for it will be done for you by my father in heaven for where two or three come together in my name there am i with them would you pray a prayer with me pray these words open my eyes, open my eyes. that i may see, I may see. Glimpses, of truth glimpses of truth thou hast for me Place in my hand the wonderful key that will unlock and set me free. Silently now, I wait for thee, ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. 
In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most significant teachings of Jesus in the Scriptures um, is his teaching on prayer. Um, it, it was a while after I got saved before I began to really see how important prayer is. And um, I remember trying to be someone who prayed. And the, the changes that literally took place in my life as I began to fast and pray, and then to seek God through fasting and prayer. And, and then to recognize that the, power, the, the Word of God is a powerful resource in terms of the teaching that we receive uh, from Christ about the important subject of prayer. Jesus was absolutely the most powerful prayer warrior uh, that the world has ever seen. His teaching on prayer is, is replete. Uh, uh, he taught uh, that uh, uh, when we pray. He didn't pray. He didn't say if you pray. He said when. Uh, assuming that if you were going to be someone who loved the Lord, that you would talk with him. He, he, he said not if you fast, but when you fast. Uh, even in the, uh, the teaching about other things, it was clear that when he talked about prayer and some of the things that were realistic expectations for you and me, uh, that he said, when you do this, when you do that, uh, this is something that should be a part of your life. In Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus said, he taught, taught a parable uh, saying, uh, that men ought always, in other words, this is what the parable mean, me meant, even before uh, he told us what the parable was. He said he taught this parable so that men would see that they ought always to pray and not to give up, not to faint. Uh, this matter of prayer was significant in the life of Jesus. Uh, I can remember uh, trying to get up in the mornings to pray. Uh, the Lord spoke to me when I was running a revival. I, my wife and I were living in Chicago. I was a student at the Moody Bible Institute and then at Garrett Theological Seminary. And we had uh, one child at first. And then uh, Teresa came along uh, while we were still living in Chicago. And, and I can remember being called by Pastor Anderson, who pastored the church in Gary, Indiana. You know anything about the, ge the geography Gary is just north of, of Chicago, Indiana. And so we, we would drive, I mean, you know, no 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes to get to Gary, Indiana. And uh, I, I was in a revival uh, there in Gary, Indiana. And the Lord spoke to me while I was there for that week saying, make an appointment with me. Come on, say that with me. Make an appointment with me. Uh, because I would get up in the mornings thinking, you know, I'm going to pray today. I'm going, Lord, I'm going really pray. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you've told the Lord what you're going to do, but you never actually determined a time to do it? And I'd get to the end of my day and, you know, being a, a busy pastor of a small church, I came to pastor a church of about the size of the number that is in this room, you know, uh, 40, actually, 40 people voted on me to be the pastor of the Charlotte Community Church of God. And the vote was 40, it was 41, and the vote was 40 to 1. <laughs> I got one vote, and there were 40 folk that didn't want me to, no, 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 there were 40 people that wanted me to come. But one was smart enough to see, no, no, don't bring him, don't, whatever you do. He's too young. He's too inexperienced. But I, I went to that church, and, and, and the, the thing about it is that I would get up. I mean, when you pastor a small church, the pastor does everything. Sometimes the pastor is the sexton. He's the one that cleans the church. He's the one that shovels the side. Of course, y'all don't know about that. Uh, let me tell you, there's some white stuff that falls out of the sky, and it's cold. I know y'all here in the land of promise but <laughs> but in the land of hope <laughs> we have to shovel snow so so 
There were, and if anyone needed counseling, if anyone needed visiting in the hospital, if anything needed to be done in terms of church work, everyone expected that the pastor would be the guy to do it all. And so I would get up saying, Lord, I know how important prayer is, but at the end of the day, I can remember so many days where I prayed just a quick prayer as I was getting in bed. Lord, I didn't spend the kind of time with you today, but I'm going to, I'm going to do better tomorrow. And there was a song around that time that said, I miss my time with you. I can't remember who sang the song, but it was a powerful song that was a gospel song. And when I first heard it, it was, all, it was as though the Lord was speaking to me. Another day just went by. I miss my time with you. And in Gary, Indiana, the Lord spoke to me and said, make an appointment. I thought I'd never thought of that before. Make an appointment. And so Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So I, I thought, if, well, if I'm going to make an appointment with God, I need to prioritize him before everything else. And so I started getting up in the morning to pray. I remember the, the beginning days I sat up in the bed and I didn't want to wake her up because, you know, she's she's got a bigger job than I have. She's taking care of little ones. And, you know, I mean, hey, by this time uh, we were in Boston pastoring and, you know, as much as we tried to keep children from coming, they kept coming <laughs> every other year. We were, we were pregnant. I say we because if she's pregnant, I'm pregnant. So, so, you know, I mean, I was at a place where after we had been married for, for 10 years, we had a little bit more than 10 years because um, it took us nine months to get pregnant. <laughs> but we had a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, a 4-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn. So here we are, here we are. We're, you know, I don't want to wake her up. <laughs> she was getting up in the middle of the night to feed the baby. You know, her, she's rest broken. I, I don't wake her up, so I got sat up in the bed, and I said, Lord, okay, I set the clock. I hit, turned it off as quickly as possible. Didn't want to wake her up. And I sat up in bed. I said, Lord, I thank you. I, this is a good day to start. And I started, I started praying sitting in bed. But how many of you know that if you wake up to pray and you sit up in bed to pray, you're probably going to go back to sleep. Yeah. And I would doze off because I was tired. You know, I, my days were, were crowded too. Uh, I'm out of the house. She's in the house, but I, my days are crowded too. And uh, so I... <laughs> Finally, I had to get up and I had to go to visit someone or counsel someone or minister to someone. And I'd say, Lord, I'm so sorry we didn't spend as much time as I'd planned. But tomorrow I'm going to do better. And the next day what I did is that I didn't just get up and sit up in bed. I, I took another step. I got out of bed. <laughs> and I got on my knees, got in a real spiritual position. But I found to my amazement that I could sleep just as good on my knees <laughs> as I could sitting in bed. And the next day it was like that. Lord, I'm just so sorry. I, I'm just so sorry. And I mean, that went on for the longest time until I read Mark chapter 1, verse 35. You don't have to turn to it. Just make a note. Mark 1:35 says about Jesus, early in the morning while it was yet dark, he got up, left the house, went out into a solitary place where he prayed. I said, oh, God. <laughs> the reason I'm failing is because I'm trying to pray where I sleep. Let me leave this room. So I got up. I washed my face. I Put, I put, took off my pajamas and put clothes on. I, I got ready. I left that area. 
I went to another place in the house that I set aside as a pray, place of prayer. This is long before the prayer room, war room. But, but I set a place aside. When we start praying in church in early morning prayer, I pulled the church in to a place where they could come. My house wasn't big enough, but I pulled them into a place in church where we could begin to have early morning prayer. And I literally pulled them into where I was praying. Why is prayer so important? I'm glad you asked that question. Why is prayer so important? Why is it important enough for me to actually segregate a time in my daily schedule to talk with God? Here Jesus is talking about prayer. He, he says that a part of prayer is this matter of binding and loosing. Uh, it's recognizing that prayer is not just number one, talking to God, and number two, hearing from God, recognizing that there's a conversation that can go on between you and him where he can actually speak back. He's not dumb and you have ears to hear, inner ears to hear. And so prayer is talking to God. But then number two, prayer is communing with God where I'm talking to him and he's talking with me. But then number three, prayer is warfare. It recognizes that not only is God present, an enemy is present. An enemy is present to cause your mind to wonder. An enemy is pre present to, uh, to cause you to uh, fall back asleep. The enemy is present that will have people call you on the phone. So you have to remove those distractions as best you can to get yourself into a place where you can pray and talk to God without the, the distractions, even of the walls that may be around you. Habakkuk said, I will, I will stand at my watch. I will station myself on the ramparts. A lot of folk don't know that the ramparts are the top of a tower so the towers are on the walls of the city and Habakkuk the prophet said I will stand at my watch I will station myself on the ramparts so he saw prayer as as warfare he's he's a soldier he's he's got a watch in the in the early morning hours so he's getting up he's climbing the walls the the stairs of the tower he gets up to the ramparts the roof of the tower and he's there where there are no distractions he can look north south east west no distractions why because i need to complain to god i need to make my requests known to him i need for for my concerns to be heard and seen without there being any distractions, any hindrances. And of course, the Lord met with him there. The Lord said, write the revelation down, make it plain upon tablets so that he that reads can run. For the revelation is for an appointed time that speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, wait for it. It will surely come to pass. It will not delay. So this whole matter of prayer i mean it's new testament it's old testament there are prophets and priests and kings who prayed there are apostles and 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 disciples and deacons that are called to be men and women of prayer men ought always to pray and not to faint paul the apostle the great apostle said pray without ceasing don't stop praying which is just another way of saying that you should start your day with worship. Start your day singing, even as our brother was, was uh, sharing with us. Uh, really, I, I felt like I was being pulled into his devotions. Did you feel that? Where, 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 uh, however, the thoughts came to his mind that he wanted to worship God, he wanted to pull you into worshiping him. And so you can start your day like that. And what can happen if there is music attached to it, because there's so much music that's out here, that you can get up hearing music. 
like the old gospel songs. Over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be, there's got to be, there is a God over there. This sense of my starting my days in prayer and in worship. Do you know that you can, you can have, your spirit is like an ongoing tape recorder that can just be running so that worship is taking place in your spirit, man. That's, that's how prayer without ceasing can take place. That's how Jesus saying men ought always to pray and not to give up. That's how it can happen because the, your spirit is worshiping God and you can interrupt the worship by saying, Lord, I need to talk to this person. I'll be right back. I need to do this, that, or the other. But even while I'm doing it, whether it's brushing my teeth or washing my face or, or whatever it is, caring for a little one, that, that the worship, the praise, the magnifying his name is ongoing. Why is prayer so important? Let me give you three reasons. Three reasons. Number one, prayer is important because of your need for intimacy. Come on, tell somebody. Prayer is important because of your need for intimacy. Your need, your need. All of us have a need for intimacy. Um, a need to be touched, a need to feel another person's presence, uh, a, a need for, for you to connect with another person. They did a study some years ago uh, where newborns in a nursery were separated into two groups. In one group, they had the children, these newborns, fed, clothed, changed, kept clean, but they were never touched. No one hugged them. No one spoke to them. No one cuddled them. No one comforted them. They cried. Just make sure that there's nothing. Uh, make sure there's nothing pricking them. Nothing sticking them. Make sure that they're clean. And make sure that they're not hungry. Be, they've been fed. Just leave them. But the others were cared for. The other half of the nursery was cared for. They were not only fed, but they were cuddled. Someone spoke to them. Someone touched them. Someone held them. Someone embraced them. Of course, the children that were embraced, that experienced intimacy, grew normally as children would grow. But the others did not grow. and In fact, they actually lost weight and would not... They just could not develop, and they had to stop the experiment because they didn't want to harm those children. You have an innate need to be touched, and prayer builds intimacy. You need it. Desperately. When I was uh, looking for a wife and praying about a wife, I... And, uh, and the Lord led my wife, led me to this beautiful, attractive, voluptuous <laughs> young woman. Hi, Aladurusa. <laughs> First time we went out on a date. I mean, we were on a we were in a very spiritual atmosphere. Our youth group had gone on a street meeting and, you know, and different ways we sang. We were singing part of the choir and then, you know, different ones would give testimonies and somebody preached. I don't remember uh, who preached, but it was this powerful time uh, where a crowd gathered and we ministered to them and as a youth group. And after, after it was all over, uh, I thought, you know, gee, you know, I'm attracted to this young girl. Let me ask if she would go out with me. And, uh, so she had come with someone else, and, uh, and she said, well, I, I, I'd be glad to go out with you. She said, but I, I didn't come with you. I came with, uh, with our youth director, uh, uh, Pastor Floyd, and so she said, I have to check with him. And so she went and checked with Floyd, and Floyd said, no, came with me, you're going back with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 
I said to Floyd, come on, man, I got a car. I'm going to take the girl home. Oh, man. And then his wife was standing there, and she looked at him. She said, oh, Floyd, he let him take her. That's how we got together. Thank God for Jean. <laughs> and so I invited her, and we went, we went to see a movie, a new movie. Though, though our church was really conservative, and we didn't go to movies, but our pastor had actually announced that we could go and see this movie. It was the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. <laughs> so we went to a saved movie. I took a saved young woman to a saved movie. When I got to the movie, it was a drive-in movie. So we were in our car, you know. When we got to the movie, we were watching the movie, you know, like, like children of God. And you know how you, you're in the movie, you're sitting there with an attractive person, you're attracted to them. And so I just kind of, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm not looking at her, I'm looking at the movie. And when I finally got my hand around her, she jumped me. <laughs> well, you know, in my mind, I mean, listen, I tried to, you know, I wasn't always saved, and so when I tried to, to kiss, when I tried to kiss her, you know, oh, buddy, she, she laid it on me. I can say, oh, I feel it. I feel it. <laughs> so then we started dating. I mean, you know, we were keeping company. And I, uh, I would take her home because I had a, you know, hoopty. You know what a hoopty is. That's a car that in the trunk you have three things. A wire, you know, like a hanger, a couple hangers. You had jumper cables. And what's the third thing? Duct tape. Duct tape. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to have duct tape because of the, if the, if the uh, muffler falls, you can tape it up. <laughs> get some wire. Get your wire to wire it up. <laughs> I can remember as we were dating, getting closer and closer, that we would be on the phone sometimes. She's living at home with her parents. I'm living at home with mine. And we'd be on the phone two, three, four hours. We'd get late at night. She's working the job. We're both out of, out of high school. She's working the job, and, you know, I'm in college, and, and we're talking on the phone into 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. She, you know what? I, we, I know you got to go to work, and I, I got a class, 8 o'clock class. Listen, um, okay, listen, so good talking with you, sweetheart. Um, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So I said, okay, okay, okay. On the count of three, we'll hang up together. One, two, three. <laughs> Hello? Hello? You didn't hang up. Well, I was expecting for you to hang up on three. I said, well, we were supposed to hang up together. That kind of relational intimacy is what you are supposed to have with God. Where it gets to the place where if she wasn't with me here and I'm here by myself, I, I would get back to wherever we're staying, call her. And she would ask, well, how was the church? How, who was there? How was the crowd? What did you preach on? I mean, this matter of our communicating with each other builds a closeness it's a part of the connection that is absolutely necessary for human beings amen, amen. and so the need for intimacy is is the importance of prayer why is prayer so important it's because you're building a relational 
intimacy. You're established. You already have a relationship by grace through faith. You're saved by grace through faith. But now there are a lot of folk who are saved by grace through faith that don't pray. They, they don't really have the kind of relationship that they're supposed to have. And so uh, when they shake your hand and when they embrace your neck, they'll whisper in your ear, pray for me. And, and when people say that to me, I said, about what? Well, just, 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 just in general, I'll say, well, if, I, if I'm going to just pray in general, we can pray right now. But if you want more than just in general, then you have to be spe specific. And if like, you can't say that word specific, just say the ocean. Be Pacific. <laughs> but, but tell me what it is. I grew up in a church where, where when they took prayer requests, there, was, there were this different ones that would stand and give their prayer requests. But then he, my pastor would say, or whoever was leading the devotions would say, uh, are there any unspoken prayer requests? And hands would go up everywhere. How do you pray for an unspoken prayer request? Well, I don't, I don't know what I'm praying for. So I'm just going to halfway pray for you. This matter of our building intimacy is important. Then number two, why is prayer so important? Number two, because of the need for faith. If you're taking notes, number one, the need for intimacy. Number two, the need for faith. Faith needs to be built in your life. You can have faith to be saved, but not faith to be healed. Faith to be healed needs some stronger faith. You need to learn how to walk and live by faith and not by what you see. So this whole a matter, I mean, Jesus talked about different levels of faith. You remember he said on several occasions, O ye of little faith. And then he said of the centurion and of the Syrophoenician woman, great is your faith. So I don't know about you, but I want to have great faith. And faith, like anything else, Jesus said, if you had faith just like the grain, a grain of mustard seed. Well, mustard seed is a very small seed, but it grows into a huge tree. So the Lord is in essence saying that if you have faith and you use it, if you plant it, if you watch it grow, it will strengthen you. It will grow before your very eyes. How does that happen with prayer? Well, the thing that you need to do is not pray generally, but to pray specifically. If you're not going to pray specifically, you'll never really see your faith growing. I, I remember uh, as a young boy, my mother was a preacher's daughter, and so she taught her children to pray. And, uh, and so I couldn't go to sleep at night. I couldn't go to bed without praying. And I was taught a prayer that rhymes. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. If I should live any more days, I pray you, Lord, to guide my ways. This I ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. And if I was really feeling extra special, spiritual, as a toddler or as a preteen or a teenager. I'm not saved now, but I've been raised in a, in a Christian environment. I could pray the Lord's Prayer because I knew that by heart too. Yeah. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Because it's longer, see, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I mean, you know, the, to pray that prayer. And, I'd, and then at the end of it, then I would pray generally for all of the people that were in my life. God bless mom. God bless dad. God bless my brother Doug. God bless my brother Greg. God bless my aunt Dimples. God bless my uncle John. God bless my cousin Jerry, his sister Peggy, his sister Teresa. I mean, do you understand? I mean, you can pray for a whole lot of people like that in a few moments. And then if I was really feeling spiritual, I said, ooh, mm, if I was, was kind of Baptist in my background, 
I would groan. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> and Lord, I want you. I feel my help coming. I want you to bless everybody in the whole wide world. Those kinds of prayers don't build your faith because there's no way for you to determine by the prayer that it was answered. But praying specifically, you know, I grew up, my, my mother was the sixth of nine children, and my Aunt Dimples was the seventh, and they were close. They both lived in Philadelphia, married husbands in Philadelphia. They were born and raised in the South. When they moved to the North, they were in the city of Philadelphia with their parents, and they married, and my, my mother and her sister talked Pretty much every day. Amen? And my mother was this really proper person that when she answered the phone, she answered the phone singing. Hello. Now I can hear her now. She's with the Lord, but she's singing as she answers the phone. Hello. And then if it was Aunt Dimples, hey girl, <laughs> what you doing? I mean, she would go into she would answer the phone, you know, as though she was highfalutin sadiddy. <laughs> but she would she would go ghetto <laughs> when she talking to her sister. D do you understand? I mean, my mother would she could with her tongue dot her eyes and cross her T's. But if she's talking to family, she could slur it all without misunderstanding. <laughs> and so. My, I'm trying to think of why I've told you about my mother. <laughs> I haven't forgotten. And so my Aunt Dimples and my mother not only grew up together, but they had children together. And in the summers, we spent a lot of time with my Aunt Dimples' kids. So we, 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 were, we knew we were cousins, but it was like we were all family, brothers and sisters. Now, my oldest cousin by my Aunt Dimples, aunt, uh, I, named the, the, I named my daughter, our first daughter, Teresa, after Aunt Dimples' oldest daughter. And I, and I was close to Teresa. I was close to Jerry. Uh, Jerry was the second born, and, and, uh, and I loved Jerry like I love my brothers. And Jerry's not saved. All of us grew up in church, all of us in Sunday school. Jerry's not saved. And I'm saved. I got saved at 17. Jerry's not saved. I mean, he's an adult. He's got children. He's married. I'm an adult. I've got children. I'm married. I'm pastoring a church. Jerry owns a bar. He's drinking. He's smoking. He's, you know, he's divorced. He's living with his girlfriend. You know, I mean, he's living with his girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, he's out in the world, and he grew up in church. So I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for Jerry. Had I ever prayed for him before? Yeah, I prayed, Lord, just save him. If he came across my mind, I'd pray for him. But it wasn't something that I normally did. I put Jerry on a list in my war room, and I prayed for him. And in the midst of praying for his salvation, I thought, Lord, whenever I'd see him, you know, we at a wedding or at a funeral, you know, families come together. And he would always be one of the ones that would speak at a funeral. And, uh, and, and when he'd speak, he, he, he had such a command of the English language. He was, he was so articulate. He would, his voice was, was so powerful. And I would compliment him and say, man, you, have you prayed, man? That, that, you sound like a preacher. And I am a preacher. He knows. Oh, y'all know. No, cuz. You the preacher. You the preacher. No, I'm not a preacher. I said, well, yeah, but did you hear what you said about aunt so-and-so, uncle so -and -so. My goodness, man. I mean, even your thought processes about that person. Listen, you really need to check yourself out. <laughs> I think the Lord wants to call you. He's calling you. And it, it never happened. But then I started to pray for him. He's a smoker. So I prayed, Lord, next time Jerry lights up a cigarette, 
make him sick. You think you get any more specific than that? I said, sick enough to go to the hospital. Some months later, I was in Philadelphia preaching at my home church for my pastor. And Peggy, his sister, heard I was coming. Now, Peggy's saved. She's in church, loves the Lord. She heard I was in town preaching. She came to the service. After service was over, she came up to me, because we embraced. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, Jerry, stop smoking. Well, she didn't know how I had prayed. She had no idea that I was praying. She said, she said Jerry, stop smoking. I said, oh, really? She said, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, lit up a cigarette, got so sick, he went to the hospital. <laughs> now, can you imagine how my faith took a leap Knowing that the very thing I'd asked God to do, he did it. Amen. After that, I prayed that his girlfriend would kick him out. And the next thing I knew, Jerry was living with his oldest daughter. Are you hearing me? I mean, you're looking at somebody that has power in prayer. And it's not something that I'm bragging on. I'm simply saying that over time, I've recognized how important prayer is. Not only does prayer build intimacy, prayer builds faith. But then number three, why is prayer so important? Number three, prayer builds maturity. Now, I know, I know intimacy and faith uh, kind of mirror mat maturity, but, but this matter of you being mature says that you are not so much concerned about you as you are concerned about others. Others. Really, that's, that's what salvation is all about. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, for others. He came to serve others. He came to give his life for others. And he said to his disciples, after, you know, post-resurrection appearance, he said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then uh, he said some other words, uh, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins they retain, they are retained. Uh, that's another message. Take me too long to explain all of that. But then he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. I've sent to, uh, I was sent to serve others. I was sent to give my life for others. I want you to have the same kind of calling, the same kind of sense. Do you know the reason why so many are so immature in the church? It's because they stuck on themselves. They stuck on the person in the mirror. And there's nothing wrong with you looking good and looking right. I mean, when I, when I, I mean, you know, I, when I got up this morning, I mean, when they put this microphone on me, I said, where's the mirror? Like, I got to see what I look like. You know, I mean, I'm concerned, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I dress. I'm trying to dress. I'll be 70 my next birthday, but I'm trying to dress young. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to dress young. And since I'm not young, I need to check out how young folk dress. So my wife said to me, you going to tuck that shirt in? I said, no, no. <laughs> Tucking no shirt in. And, and have you noticed, see, them old, them old people's socks, old people, old people. See, this is young people's socks. I mean, I went to the store, and I said, I want some of them socks that look crazy. They say, oh, yeah, and it was an older guy. He said, I know what you want. I got them in different colors. Nothing wrong with you looking. Go on, sir. Now, now help this brother out. But, but do you understand? Nothing wrong with you looking good. But then after that, go serve somebody. 
Go help somebody. Go minister to somebody. Would to God we had people in the church that would leave the mount of blessing that they receive from hearing uh, Pastor Darrell, hearing Pastor Teresa, or, or hearing uh, their spiritual parents, or, or hearing me or my wife, that they would actually leave saying, I got to take this message. I got to tell somebody. That's what happened with the woman at the well. She brought a water pot. When she got there, she found Jesus sitting on the well where there was water. Jesus is a well himself. There was a well sitting on a well. And when he saw her, he said, hey, sis, yo, give me something to drink. She looked at him and he said, she said, um, you know, how is it that you being a Jew are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? He said, look, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink. She said, how are you going to give me something to drink? You don't have a bucket. You don't have a ladle. You don't have anything to draw with. And the well is deep. I mean, do you understand in that conversation found there in John chapter 4, when he got finished with her, girlfriend had made a commitment. She believed that he was the Messiah. And she left her water pot and ran into the town. Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Are you hearing me? That's really what the church is all about. That's what we are all about. Why do I need to be mature? Well, I, I need to be mature because if God is going to use me to touch others for him, then I've got to be someone that is selfless because you're not going to touch Touch someone else with your own power. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. John 15 and 5. I'm the vine, you're just a branch. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if you're immature, you would want to say, well, no, wait, wait, wait. Hey, hey, the person got healed. Yeah, well, you, you know who laid hands. Do you know who laid hands on them? I mean, you know. Power in my hands. <laughs> it ain't about you, brother. It's not about you, sister. Does that make sense? And in this matter of you being as powerful as God wants you to be, you've got to find your place in his plan. You can't be any more powerful than, than you are. And when you find your potential. What are the gifts that are within you? What were you born with as a person? What, what, a, what are your gifts? What are your callings? What, is, what are the things that operate easily out of you? Finding your place in his plan. And recognizing that it's really not about you. Oh, the Lord loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And he really wants to use you to touch those that are in your life. Some years ago, the patriarch of the Salvation Army, a man by the name of John Booth. And since it was an army, they, they named him the general, General John Booth, patriarch of the Salvation Army. He went into a telegraph office and determined to send a short sentence at Christmas time to Salvation Army workers worldwide. You know, those persons that stand out in front of supermarkets or stores and, and collect offering for the poor that they are serving. And so he, he sat down. And he wrote a short sentence, and he gave it to the telegraph operator. True story. And the telegraph operator told him how much it would cost to send that short sentence around the world. And he said, no, it's too much money. So he shortened the sentence even, even more. And he saw it was still too much money. So he shortened it and shortened it and shortened it until finally the sentence only had one word. 
and he sent that sentence of one word around the world to Salvation Army workers at Christmas. Those who were out there collecting funds for the poor and the needy. And the one word was others. That's why you're standing out in the cold. It's not for you. It's for others. That's why you're going to the hospital to see someone who you know. You're there because of others. As the Father hath sent me, Jesus said, so send I you. You are to be a sent one. And so our text says, you need to be an authority in prayer. So much so that your intimacy with Christ, your faith in the truth of his word, and your maturity level in terms of ministering to others will bring you to a place where you can say, in the name of Jesus, I bind the enemy. In essence, that's what I did with Jerry's cigarettes. I bound those cigarettes. I commanded him to be sick in the name of Jesus. And he was. That there is an intimate relationship, a faith-filled relationship, a mature relationship where you are called of God. See yourself as called of God to do what you do. In the name of Christ, where you can actually bind the enemy. I see you. I see you coming to hinder him. You know, Jerry got saved before he died. Glory to God. He's with the Lord. He got saved before he died. After he, after he left his girlfriend, he went and lived with his, uh, his oldest daughter and uh and she was saved, and he was watching Christian television and, and fell in love with T.D. Jakes. When my mother died, Jerry spoke at my mother's funeral. His Aunt Barbara, when my dad died, he spoke at my dad's funeral, his Uncle Colbert. And he was not saved when he spoke at my mother's funeral. She died first. Ten years later, he spoke at my dad's funeral. And he said, I wasn't saved when Aunt Barbara died, but I thank you. As I stand here today, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. You have more authority than you use if you just knew the power there is in prayer. And so this whole matter of you binding the enemy, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound on earth because it's already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed because it has already been loosed in heaven. It's not a, it's not a matter that you can just willy-nilly bind and loose like you somebody special. It is that you recognize this is the will of God for this circumstance, for this situation, and in the spirit you have authority over the enemy. Then he goes on to say in the next verse, verse 19, he said, now, if two of you, just two, in the earth would agree as touching anything you ask, it will be done for them by a father which is in heaven. You know, if you know what the scriptures speak about two, oh my God, you know, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says two is better than one. I mean, if you're going to fight, you can fight back to back. I, we can, we can, we can <laughs> defend ourselves. If I'm by myself, somebody can come behind me, but unless I know Kung Fu and can kick me. <laughs> but, but I'm talking about, yeah, I know you got your Kung Fu back there, yeah. But, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, some of y'all are, are old enough to remember this. Uh, uh, Teresa, now, she, she, it was said that we were in school together. Actually, to tell you the truth, she was in and out before I got there. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, we would call for a fair one. You had a beef with a brother, hey, fair one, which meant... Ain't no scratching going on. Ain't no kicking going on. You got to eat your kung fu at home. Ain't no kicking, no biting. 
Do you understand? It's a fair one. Just fists. But back to back, we can we can fight. I can fight in this direction. Anybody's coming. You fight in that direction. Everybody is coming. In fact, if later on we're going to sleep outside, the two of us can stay warm. Amen. Because we can we can I can get the 98 degrees from you and you can get the 98 degrees from me. Do you understand? I mean, all that's in the word. He said, at the end, a three-strand cord is not easily broken. This matter of you praying in agreement with another person. Edwin Lewis Cole said, the place of agreement is the place of power. Amen. Our brother that, that, that's here that, that stands there with Judge Judy, I said, how do I know this man? How do I know him? I said, all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, Judge Judy. <laughs> and when Judge Judy says something and he moves, he comes back and says, they've all been sworn in, Judge, they're all ready. I mean, come on now, the two of them are there. And if anybody step out of line, he's going to handle it. Do, do you understand the power of agreement? There was power. Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says, one can chase a thousand, two can put ten thousand to flight. So coming in agreement. Uh, 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 let me just say this word, and I'm almost done. This matter of you coming together in agreement, it's in agreement with what God says. Uh, I mean, that's the text doesn't say that, uh, but you have to understand you can't grab a text and run with it without considering what the word says in other places about that same subject because Jesus said if two of you in the earth would agree as touching anything anything you ask well the anything would be anything within the will of God because first John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 says this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So this matter of you getting an agreement with someone and you're in the spirit and it's the will of God. <laughs> Prayer is important. And then he ends up by saying for where two or three gathered together, verse 20, in my name, there am I in their midst. Agreement is so rare. This is the way I take this verse. Agreement is so rare. And if you can get a bunch of folk together in agreement, Jesus said, I'll come check it out. It's because it's so rare. You know, usually, I mean, you've got the choir fighting against the youth and the youth fighting against. Do you understand the junior ushers against the senior ushers? Of course, y'all are small. You just a start up work. So you don't have all these different uh, compartments. But but you get a larger church, you find out all hell can broke, break loose in a larger church where all kinds of disagreement takes place. We live. In a country full of disagreement. I ain't trying to live nobody nowhere else. But, but I recognize that we live in a country full of disagreement. The Republicans fighting against the Democrats. And the Democrats fighting against the Republicans. Amen? I mean, my boy Barack can't even get up and give the State of the Union without somebody coming behind. All right, you heard what he said. But we don't recognize that God is not Democratic, Republican, conservative, liberal, none of those. God is God all by himself. And in terms of democracy, if the children of Israel had democratic government over them oh 
they, they probably would have left Egypt, but they would have gone back. Because Korah, Dathan, and Abiram would have led them back against Moses. But they went on into the promised land because they were being led by a man of God who was hearing from God. This matter of you praying in agreement, this matter of you walking in agreement, if agreement is to be achieved by Hallel, going to be achieved as you guys learn how to follow leadership because you got two pastors that are a serious a serious man and a serious woman of God and they they're pulling together a team of folk that are endeavoring by the grace of God to walk in agreement prayer is important you're not going to get where God wants you to be without having an intimate relationship with him based on your faith in what he is saying and the maturity of understanding the vision is to reach beyond the walls of wherever you meet into the, the circumstances of the people in your lives. They desperately need someone who's for real. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these open hearts. I'm praying in the name of Jesus. There's anyone that is not a believer, has not committed their lives, to the, their life to the Lordship of Christ. You said in your word that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so, Father, we pray that you would speak to hearts. You would move in such a powerful way to save, to heal, to deliver, to bless. Thank you for Pastor Darrell. Thank you for Pastor Teresa. Thank you for the team that they're gathering. Thank you for these that are a part of this house. Strengthen us, we ask in Jesus' name. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you are here and you're saying, Bishop, I know that I've not made a commitment of my life to Christ. I've not asked the Lord to be the Lord of my life. I've, uh, I've not confessed that I believe that he's risen from the dead. And if that's you and you're saying, I believe that the resurrection is true. There really is no other way of de to describe how the church got started apart from the truth of the resurrection. But if you're here and you're saying, I am going to exercise my faith and ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life and believe that he's risen from the dead. If that's you, would you simply indicate that by raising your hand? Say, I'm someone, I, I know I need to be a believer. Is that you? You're here. You're saying, I know I'm not a believer, but I, I want to be. I want to commit my life to Christ. He's the Messiah. I believe that. He died on the cross to save me. He rose from the dead as a part of my justification. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Remember me in prayer. Remember me in prayer as I pray. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you pray aloud a prayer with me? It's a simple prayer of commitment. If you mean it in your heart, the Lord will save you right where you are. Pray aloud. Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your Son. 
the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross to save me. I repent today as an act of my will. I turn from the practice of sin and all wrongdoing. And I surrender my life to you. Boldly confessing, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I believe he's risen from the dead. And by faith, I thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're here while heads are bowed still and eyes are closed, and you're saying, you know what? I am hearing how important prayer is. And I want to go to a, a higher place in God, in prayer. The song poet said in the song, Higher Ground, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. If that's your cry, if that's your desire to be on higher ground in prayer, I want you to indicate that by standing right where you are. Just stand right where you are. I'm looking at my prayer life and I see I could do this better. And I've got people in my life that need me to be on point when it comes to my praying. Ian Bounds, and he is a prolific author with respect to prayer. Ian Bounds said, no one should talk to a man about God before he first talks to God about the man. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you pray this prayer with me? Pray with me. Father, as I stand here today, I recognize my desperate need for you. And I'm asking now for you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower me with an anointing from on high. Use me in prayer. Use me in witness. And I will be the person who serves others and makes a way for them to experience faith in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be here and to hear this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I just pray a prayer of confirmation over these that have prayed, uh, not only, Father, to be saved, but prayed to be filled and used by you. Lord, we recognize that there are people in our lives that desperately need to see someone who's real. And then, Lord, to be ministered to by those genuine believers that are walking in prayer, in intimacy, in faith, and in maturity with you. In faith, I thank you for bringing Hallel to this place of maturity and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands for Pastor as he comes. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's give Amen. you.